I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Words podcast. I'm joined today, as ever, by my wonderful assistant, Jason. Jason, how are you? <laughs> I'm, your, I'm the Debbie McGee to your Paul Daniels. I'm very well, Tom. How are you? See, I do actually get that reference, which, you know, just. And what I quite find quite funny at the moment is there's quite a lot of Twitter discussions that we both get tagged in as, as you know, as a duo on this podcast. And they just go all over my head because I'm way too young. I have absolutely no idea what half of you are talking about. And I think most of the time it's like, I was either not born or I was like a maximum age of seven. And it's like, I'm sorry to all the people out there that, you know, I'm possibly offending by calling them old. But I, uh, yeah, way too young to be talking about the sort of stuff I get tagged in. So, yeah, Debbie McGee and what did you say? Paul Daniels. Paul Daniels, yeah. Which is ironic because, you know, no relation to you whatsoever, I assume. No, he said that to me once. I met Paul Daniels did. Yeah. No, he was opening (laughs) Stacey's Magic Shop in Ilford. And uh, he was he was the star star so magician. Now you're showing your age. There was a magic shop. Which he was shop. at the time. They yep, don't magic exist shop. anymore, do they? they don't. <laughs> no, they're called <laughs> magic shop. You can get a bet on in one of them other shops. Um, mind you, we're all going to be shutting them down soon anyway. Um, blah blah blah. Yeah, and uh, he did say he said, "Oh, I'm no relation." And I went, "No, well, you're not. I hope not." <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he never left me anything when he died. So anyway, let's go carry on. So we couldn't have been. So. It is the uh, Scottish Championship this week is on the European Tour, and we're going to that one first. Uh, well, it's at St Andrews by name, uh, but that's about it, isn't it? We're not a, uh, it's not St Andrews like we know and love. It's uh, it's four miles down the road, Fairmont St Andrews, Sam Torrance Design Course, and more importantly, it's got a hotel where they can all stay in. So that's basically why we're here this week. I'll let you uh, give us information about the course because you've found some uh, great info on there. I don't know if it's great. Info. Well, we'll, I mean, we'll find out by the end of the week whether it was great or not. But. Well, it, it, it doesn't matter. The idea, obviously, the idea is if you want something that's in front of you, then then you don't really need to listen to this or read anybody else's because it's in front of you. Which is so an we're always, by the way, because it's two hours long half the, the time, isn't it? <laughs> it won't be tonight because I don't feel very well, folks. Um, There's a violin gun. I'll put the sound yeah. effect on in a minute. Send, send aspirin. Um <laughs> So, you know, we're always trying to find some bizarre link. And I think this week there is a very, very bizarre link. But it might be true. It might not be true. So Dennis Griffiths, who um, wasn't a TV, children's TV star. That was Derek Griffiths. You won't remember him either. No, right? I don't know what you're talking about. He, um, he, was, he was the main designer um, uh, with Torrance. Um, right, bear with me on this one, right? So he's designed uh, plenty of courses in his life. Um, one of them is Chateau Elan Golf Club. Um, now, wait for this one, which ran a tour, which ran a tournament up to 1998. Uh, Lee Westwood was runner-up in 1997 when you could back him at 92 each way and guarantee yourself a payout. Um, that may mean nothing other than, obviously, it's Lee Westwood. It's quite important this week. Um, Dennis Griffiths then collaborated with Scott McPherson, um, the original architect of Fairmount St. Andrews, before Sam Torrance came along and put a load of uh, pot bunkers in and apparently made it a bit more interesting than what it was because not even I'm old enough to have known what the old Fairmont was like. Now, Scott McPherson was the architect of Close House. Uh, so there we are. So Close House, which this year, obviously, was um, uh, the tournament of Close House was hosted by Lee Westwood. He's obviously got a massive connection with there, knows every blade of grass, was expected to win there, but, you know, 
they never do, do they? Because of the pressure of hosting and and drinking too much every night always yeah, puts I them off. Imagine it's drinking with Lee Westwood. But... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Or, or ignoring Alan Hunter at um, airports, <laughs> either or. But Scott, yeah, I mean, so so there is a connection between them that, that goes beyond beyond anything that's that's fairly obvious. Now, this may be an absolute load of nonsense, but the fact that Westwood um, appears at Close House, appears at another Griffiths um, and potential McPherson design um, abroad, um, it, there's a potential link there to, clo- to Close House. And we, we don't mind these links between um, the British courses since lockdown. We think there's a, a following on of form and stuff like that. So for me... Um, Instead of just looking at the Scottish Open, that we, the Scottish Open that we've had recently, which was another course that was maybe maybe not a links, but we counted it as a links, and quite frankly, the weather on the Saturday was more than links uh, linksy and thing. I actually think the form at Close House might bear as good a resemblance to the end result as the Scottish Open. Um, just one other further link is that uh, they both have three par fives that are um, reachable. Um, no, there's nothing dramatic, but I just thought that it makes the link between a course in Nottingham and a course uh, in North Berwick far closer than we, we might initially have thought. And by Nottingham, you mean Newcastle, of course. Yeah, by Nottingham, I mean Newcastle. <laughs> I can see where you went with the Nottingham connection because, you know, Lee Westwood, Forest fan, as we all mm. famously know. Yeah, sorry. So, yeah. Uh, two ends, whatever. But, um, yeah, no, that's what I mean. Look, we... I said to you, didn't I, when when we looked at it earlier, it's not an event I like. Um, I think it's one of those fill-the-gap weeks. Um, well, I think the European Tour is going to be like that for the next few weeks, really, until the Masters. Uh, the PGA Tour is still relatively exciting this week. But, you know, it's you've just had two Rolex Series events, haven't you? And, and they were, you know, top-class fields, decent events. Um, you're not going to get that this week. It's going to be... Uh, you know, you might get a bit of excitement on the Sunday. We don't know how it's going to play out. Um, but if you're looking for value, it's going to be, you know, if you, there's going to be someone in the top 10 or so that, or top eight places, whatever, that was three figures because that's that type of event. But it's going to be very hard to uncover that type of person unless you can go down the links that Jason just supplied and found someone with a, with the British Masters. Well, two of those were at Close House, weren't they, in 2017 and, and this year as well. So it'd be worth looking at both of those leaderboards and seeing if anyone's name comes up twice. So, yeah, interesting. Where do you see... I know we talked about Westwood off-air. Do we see him as a clear favourite? Because Matt Wallace is actually the favourite 11-1, to one, isn't he? Whereas Westwood, you can get 14s about. Yeah, I think you've got to put Westwood in as favourite. I mean, obviously, we, we've, we've spoken about the links that, I mean, Westwood's playing, you know, quite frankly, he's playing magnificent golf. Um, I don't think he's particularly getting the rewards that his play, his play deserves at the moment. I mean, we know that he's got that frailty with a putter. Um, but if we look at his stats, he's, he's, you know, gaining shots where he can. Um, you know, we're not going to worry about the English Championship. We've already discussed that where he lost a load. But everything else... You know, he's gained a couple of shots on the field and where normally we'd expect him to lose on the field. His iron play looks as good as it, you know, as it could be for a man of his, um, we won't say advancing years, but but certainly there are others with bigger improvement in them. Um, but I, I just think he's flying. I mean, we know that happened in the Scottish Open, 62 the first round, 71 the second round. He went out with um, Porter in the third and, and they got absolutely blown away. In the end, the 76 wasn't bad, but it just put him behind you know, behind the front lot is where he needed to be and he couldn't quite do it on the final round. So um, I've got no problem. He's not going to get that weather this week. He's 
proven on links. You could you can pull out, you know, handfuls of form. Um, where he's proven on links, uh, as I say, close house he knows, so he knows the type of designer of this course or we think he, you know, that we think he's going to like. And yeah, I can't see him at the top, top six or seven. Uh, I'm not saying necessarily you can back him at twelves, but in the context of the race, in the context of the race, in the context of the field, um, yeah. Look, Eddie Pepperell's playing well. Ram McIntyre's going to win the Open one day. Isn't really doing it. I think twelve to one isn't bad. Yeah, and and also I don't really know what to make of Matt Wallace because um, I think he's still being priced up as if he was that you know three-time win season in 2018, um, and it's been a while, isn't it, since then? I mean, he didn't make the Ryder Cup when when it looked like he was nailed on to. Um, I know he's obviously been sort of like splitting his time and playing some PGA Tour events, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but it's not like he's banging form, is it? No, I, I think. You know, if you if you look at the um, respective form, Westwood's got far more consistent feel about him. Obviously, you know, um, top fifteen in the U.S. Open beats Wallace. Uh, in fact, a lot of his stuff beats Wallace. To be fair, um, so again, it might be one of those where we, you know, we've discussed this sort of thing before, um, where we look at a match bet between the top two. Um, I don't know how they're going to play. Westwood's slight outsiders, but yeah, I mean, he's favourite with one two firms. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You know, they may go levels each of two, uh, in which case I think Westwood actually isn't isn't too bad a bet, to be honest with you. Yeah, I just I don't have anything against Matt Wallace apart from you know doesn't particularly strike me as the, the greatest person in the world, but he just yeah I, I've never really warmed to him. I don't think he's ever really value. Uh, I think a lot of people quite liked his chances last week, and he was alright, but nothing more than that. Yeah. That's right. Um, and like you say, there's, there's others around him that are in better form. And I think your first selection here, and one that actually, as we've been talking about it, I quite like as well, is uh, is 25 to one, isn't he? Yeah, Renato Paratore. Um, I can't I can't really get him right, but I think he there's a fantastic chance here this week. Obviously, you know he's winner close house um, from Rasmus uh, in the context of class looks pretty. I know you're you know I rate Rasmus. At this moment, slightly higher than you do, but it's you know it was still a cracking effort to hold him off. Yeah. Um, you know, so he's won there. Um, I thought Raz was play this week. He obviously isn't. Um, he's top ten uh, strokes gained approach. Uh, he's top fifteen tee to green. He boots the ball an absolute mile. I think he's top seven uh, tied seventeenth in driving distance, which again you can take half the field out because they're not here this week anyway. Um, and he played really, really well last week, 68, 67 over the weekend at Wentworth. Um, I, I can't really see where anyone can come up with a weakness. Um, his form is not fantastic um, in Scotland, but like I say, the conditions aren't going to be what he, what he sort of, um, what he went through at the Scottish Open a couple of weeks ago. You know, he, he tends to sort of drift in and out of form, but. He won the British Masters after a 15th in Austria. Um, he's got a 7th here. Is it one of his going weeks? In this class, really, with the ability to open his shoulders and, and, and hit the ball down, it's all about missing the pot bunkers, isn't it, on, on this type of course? And if he does so, he'll just keep hitting greens all the time. And as a winner, he's got no pressure on his shoulders whatsoever. Um, and at 25-1, to 1, he, he, he looked obvious to me. 
Well, look, he's ninth in strokes gained approach for the season, and he's twelfth in strokes gained tee to green. Um, and it's fair to say that he's played a fair lot more golf than the guys ahead of him in those leaderboards, anyway. So, um, yeah, I think, like you say, he's. It's one of those again the weeks where I always mention this on these sort of events where you look at Paratore and you think twenty five to one is quite hard to to get excited about. But it is you've got to put it into context, haven't you? This is it's obviously not quite a challenge tour event because you've got the sort of four or five top class players in it and enough decent European tour players to uh, to make it an interesting event. But it's not special, is it? And and it's not on a course that I don't suppose is going to be very difficult either. No, he's he's won a similar type type of of, um, of competition, hasn't he, at the yeah. British Masters? You know, he beat Rasmus, Justin Harding, who I think's got a chance here this week. Uh, Rock, Rock Andy Sullivan, who I think I think I would have probably backed at a short price here um, this week, and he would have missed the cut. Um, you know, Ollie Fisher, called Will Fox, Farbing. It's that it's that type of horse field was in the field. Um, it's that type of of class, and and you know, he beat he beat. He's filled really nicely over at Close House. Um, didn't really struggle to get it done. And, yeah, if, if he was up there at halfway, I, 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 I'd struggle. Again, he's another one, really. I think, I think to be fair, him and Westwood, for me, of the top of the top 10, say, look pretty solid to, to you know, cement their place on the uh, front page of the leaderboard come Sunday. Well, it's just like, it's like what we just spoke about. Statistically, he's a great fit, isn't he, for anywhere. When you, when you hit the ball that well, off the tee and into the greens, you're going to give yourself a chance, aren't you? Especially where there's somewhere where it's going to be rewarded. Um, and look, like you say, he's won earlier in the season already. So, in you know, and like you say, a very similar style event. So, yeah, I like it. 25 to 1, I think he's good. There was a guy, Matthew Jordan, I quite liked at one point. Um, he's very steady. He's a steady player. Um, young, seems to be improving. Doesn't seem to to really you know stick out any one week though he kind of he, you look at him every week because he's always up there um you know 14th in portugal 19th for the uk championship third in wales 17th for close house um you know he, he's just very steady uh, but i'd probably like to see a little bit more of him before i started betting him at uh, 25 and 28 to 1 yeah i agree that looks uh terrifically short doesn't it um could, could be in the sort of you know, that kind of Syme type. Um, again, he's playing this week. Same type of thing where they play very, very consistently. But if they don't win for a while, then you do start, you know, the price you start shortening by eight, ten points each time. Um, they go down in class, which is, is this is a little bit if you take half a dozen of them away. But it's short, isn't it? I think. Uh, having said that, you know, I'm a big fan of somebody like Gavin Green, but he's not doing it. Um, and he's 28. So. Brandon Stone's not really doing it. He's faulty. It's a big price for if he was in form, and, and you struggle, don't you? I mean, I'll come back Matt Jordan at that price. If he was, if he was fifty, I wouldn't particularly say, oh, that's a big price. Um, at fifties, I'll just be tempted, just because I think he gives yeah. you a chance. You know, you've got the weekend. You, you sort of expect him to be there, but you know, Stone was another one that I thought, you know, returning to Scotland and maybe just finds a bit of form in a weak field, but. You've got to be showing signs of it, and he doesn't really seem to be. Mashiro Karamura piqued my yeah. interest a little bit. Um, you know, eighth at um, Valderrama, fifth at the Portugal Masters, fourteenth Ireland, 
fifty-sixth and twentieth mm. the last two weeks as well. So you know, playing really well. He's playing very, very good golf, isn't he? Mm. You know, seventy-three on Sunday was his worst round last week, so it could have been better as well. Did miss the cut a close house earlier in the year? If, if that's something that we're going to put a lot of stock into, but I think it would be unfair to rule him out based on that because he wasn't in form, was he, at the time? Um, I just thought that forty to one for him. We're talking about someone like Matthew Jordan, who I think is, you know, potentially a better player than Karen Murray, but this guy is in form and, and, and better form. And I think that if he's going to win a, an event and take advantage of the current form that he's in, this would be the type that he would do it in. Yeah, really caught the eye at Valderrama. Um, played fantastic golf. Actually gave himself loads of chances to, to be better than his top, you know, his top 10 finish. Um, and followed it up, as you say, at Portugal and in the Irish. So, you know, um, I didn't know a lot about him to be honest with you. Before before um, Valderrama, he got a he did get um, a couple of lines in the in the Sunday preview, so he must have been doing something. <laughs> um, and the problem is, he's only won once in in like a really really long um, Japanese and Asian career. Um, that would uh, you know, a hundred to one, you're fine because you don't mind him finishing third or fourth. Forty. Uh, th- there are other proven winners in the field at a slightly bigger price that are proven in Scotland whereas he hasn't got it and I think he, it's just the same sort of case as Jordan his figures look good but do they strike you as sort of you know a Jordan's probably more of a potential winner than than um Karamara but it, 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 I think the word that kids use it was because the uh, a player that we've been talking an awful lot about in these recent previews is John Catlin, uh, mm. who has obviously played very well on the Asian Tour the last couple of years um, and then come over here and started doing it. And it almost feels like, because you look at Karamura and you think, right, he won in 2013, which seems like quite a long time ago now, seven years ago. He's very young. Um, he was 20 then. So mm. he's only 27 now. Maybe this is just his second part of his career and he's kicking on a little bit. When you look at his results on the on the OWGR website, you know, he's got four, five seconds and four of them have come, you know, in the last couple of years. Um, Trophy Hassan, he was sixth last year. I just think that maybe he's, he's a slightly improving player. He's se- uh, 17th in every W earlier in the season. This might be that he probably almost, uh, there was maybe a bit too much hype around him. I know when the Asian players get, you know, Get, uh, wins early on. You get Ishikawa, you got Matsuyama. They get fanatical about these players, don't they? I don't think that's quite the same with him, but it is possible in the in the local media, I'm guessing. And and maybe now he's actually possibly sort of realising his early potential. And, and if that is the case, then then he certainly can win an event like this. So I think he would be my mm. possibly lone selection here at 41. Okay, yeah, that's that's. I, I can't knock it. As I say, he caught my eye massively, and and you know when he hits for me. You know he can he can keep that form going. So and you know Scotland, as we know, was a bit of a a bit of a weird one. It depend depending what wind you hit really on your half of the draw um, when you got out. It, it, you know when you're halfway down the fairway. So that's what happens over there. Um, so maybe we can rule that out. But he still made the cut. And to follow it up, yeah, uh, as uh, you know, a top twenty in um, Wentworth, uh, seventy three final round. So you know. He's lost what three, four, five shots on the field. Then, yeah, certainly a potential. I just thought forties didn't really, it didn't really do it for me. But yeah, as if you if you were to take the prices away and said to me, you think you can get a top ten, if not a top five, then yeah, why not? 
That's the thing. I think that's the thing. Is when he was a, quite a big price last week at Wentworth, but there was a whole host of really good names in the field. It's obviously a prestigious event. I literally couldn't see him contending for that. Uh, and then he's performed well. That that Scottish Open, he was 77th in the third round, and everyone struggled in the weather. So I can kind of discount that. He probably could have finished, you know, top 30, whatever it was, and that would have looked really impressive then as well. So I think if this event plays easy as I'm expecting it to, he's obviously the type of player that can, you know, string together a few birdies, and that, that really appeals to me here. So, yeah, he would be my one at 40-1. to one. Um, You mentioned Justin Harding earlier as well. Yeah, I like Justin Hyde. I'm going off him by the minute, to be honest with you. Um, I, I think we agreed. We don't know what Harding's going to do. Um, yeah. He, he seems to often have the potential to do um, better than he has. But the fact is, he's won at Qatar. Um, and there's always that sort of linksy type connection with Qatar, Qatar if you want to put it in there. He did finish third at Close House. So uh, third at uh, Valderrama as well, which you we know is um, extremely tricky and uh, undulating. So there are form lines that suggest that Harding, again, it's, it's all context. Everything's context about prices. You know, if he's 45, Southgate is 40, you know, kind of Simon hasn't won, he's 33. Like we say, Gavin Green, 28. Um, if he's on a going week, and, and there is no evidence because he's crap in Scotland, um, but if he is on a going week, you know, 11th in the Irish um, to go along with everything we've said, you know, it, it looks it could be a big price. He could he could he's one that could very well be thirty to one. I think you could point out justifications at that price. So whilst I'm not the biggest fan of him, you know everything he's dictates one of the, the that he will go players, well, isn't he? He's, he's yes, one he of is. the better players here. He's but you don't know what he's going to do. No, you just don't know what he's going to do. Even at close house when he was third, he was poor, wasn't he, in the final mm. round? Mm. Really disappointing, but. You know, and it's it's easy to on. think back. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember. I remember disappointment it was. But he, um, you know, this is a guy that was well into the lead at the or up there in contention at the Masters not so long ago. Like he's a he's a classy player that stands out as a, on a talent level in this field. Uh, you know, conversion rate is a different story, but he is one of the more talented players, and. If it comes to the end of the week and he wins, it's not the type that you're going to go well either. I expected that, but couldn't back him at a long, uh, couldn't back him at a short price. Or he was so long, I didn't fancy him. He was going to miss a cut. Mm. He's a type that you go right. Well, he was forty-five to one. Actually, that's probably too big. Like he was just, he, he was too big. He's he's too good to be that in this field, and and that is probably the only thing I could say for him. I I, I struggle with him. I find it really hard to get right, hard to get excited about. I just. Yeah, I think he's okay. I think that he is one of the better players here, and he's got that third at that close house, which obviously, if, uh, well, obviously you like the the link, and and if it does pan out, then it's going to be uh, a good pointer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, forty five just looks looks too big to me in the context of the field. Let's go a bit further down. The player that we were talking about off air is Mark Warren. Um, had a bit of a renaissance this season, hasn't he? Um, Won the Austrian Open. Uh, was it the Euro? I can't remember which one. It was one of the ones in Austria, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, obviously plays very well when he returns to Scotland. Possibly could have done better at the Scottish Open, but was still top four there. Um, and look, he's a winner. He has won multiple times. Um, 
obviously returning back to, to something like his best this season after a couple of years out in the wilderness. Um, and there's not many players in this field that can say they've won multiple times on the European Tour. So Scotland, multiple wins, played well at Close House, I believe, uh, in 2017. Uh, if my memory serves me well, I may be making that up. But he um, he's certainly you know, shown signs of performing well. And and I think he's a reasonable price. Yes, he was 15th at Close House in 2017, shot 67, 65, 68 to finish. Um, yeah, I, I think he's a relatively big prize in this field. Yeah, I, I think you're probably right. He's 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 one that I, I, I potentially, hopefully, nobody put him up, and nobody def, nobody has put him up um, so far this week. Um, so Benny and Steve, Martin don't put him up. We're right. Um, oh, and Paul on GBS as well. Um, and I don't think any of them have so far. He could drift on Betfair, and and that might make him um, a better play. Than, than anything else because we'll do our old um, you know double your money at a quarter the odds if he drifted to 80 or something like that um, but yeah like you say it, we've got Mark Warren's Mark Warren he's a bit Jamie Donaldson isn't he it's like I don't know what he's going to do from one week to the next I thought he looked really good at Scotland then he had a great chance and uh, did Mark Warren didn't he yeah. um, so he do, I think he needs help to win let's put it like that um, but again Context, you know, context, 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 context-wise. Um, context. But he's the same price as Clement Sorday, who, who I, I, I quite like as well in this. But like you say, Warren is a, is a proven performer in Scotland, obviously. Um, loves links. Um, you know, hits the ball. I mean, why not? I, I struggle to see him winning because he just doesn't when I'm on. Um but the harder it gets, I think the better he'll be. Um, it, yeah, why not? That's all I can say. Well, eight of his twenty best finishes on the OWGR website are in are in Scotland. That's right. Um, yeah. you know, and See, they're all undulating. Absolutely. Yeah, they're all top five finishes. You mm. know, so when he gets to Scotland, when he returns home, um, he plays well, and he showed you that two weeks ago. Uh, missed the cut at the at Wentworth last week, didn't he? Um, but you know, it's and that is somewhere that he's performed well before, which is which is a little bit surprising. But there was 74, 74. It's not like he's gone and shot 80 twice, and you've got reason to be concerned. Um, yeah, I just it's an event I don't really get too excited about. He's a player I don't really get too excited about. So he needs it wide, doesn't he? He needs it wide, yeah. and he's going to get and he's going to get wide here. So um, he's, he, you know, he's not going to have the accuracy of somebody like Paratore. Um, but he may not need it. It's just if you know, if he's on a going day, he'll play well, won't he? He's on the he's on my shortlist. I've got to, one more to mention on my shortlist, and I'll decide whether to put them um, in with with the Caramora bet. Have you got another couple you want to mention? Uh, yeah, I said to Clemens Day, very high in uh, strokes gained approach, Tita Green tied 17 in the close house. Um, recent forms okay, uh, tied 21, tied 28. Um, had a week off. Um, I really like him. Um, I think he's a he's a really quality ball striker. Um, he's not going to want, you know, Scottish third round conditions for sure, but he's not going to get them this week. Um, should have done better at Amman, I think. Um, got into a really good challenging position on the final day. Uh, I think he hit one, I can't remember the whole, he hit one bad shot and that seemed to just completely ruin his, um, you know, his day on Sunday. Uh, again, 
very boring, but in the context of the field, he has potential to be um, a lot better than the 25 or however many players they want to put above him. Um, cracking ball striker. Uh, I, I just thought, again, at 66, I'd, I'd be happy to take the chance with him um, and just hope that, you know, the mental conditions do not come in. Well, look, he's... he's um... He needs to win at this level, doesn't he? That's the you know his four-time winner on the Challenge properly. Tour. Um, so he's he needs to. This would be a decent step up, wouldn't it? It'd be his win on the European Tour without trying to go crazy and win uh, a top-level event. But when you look, he what his last win? Uh, he beat Marcus Kinholt, who's obviously a, a favourite of, of many on the European Tour. Uh, and like you say, a great ball stroke. He's top eight in both approach and tee to green. There's no there's no real reason to be against it. It's just whether it's someone you know that you like, and if you do, then he's probably worth a bet, especially in this type of field. Yeah, yeah, sixty-six. I mean, we, given that I think some of the ones at a longer prices this week, we can redline with confidence. Um, and we, you know, as we've discussed, we don't like quite a lot of them, sort of between the twenty and the sixty-six mark. You know, you like Warren, I like Sorday. Let's call the whole thing off. I can't remember where it was. I actually picked Sordo not so long ago. I think it might have been in Wales. I can't remember whether it was when he finished 21st or when he missed the cut. Probably when he missed the cut now. I'd have to listen back. But the, the, largely for the same reasons. I thought he was good enough He was good enough to win in that company. Um, and, and I pointed out the ball striking. And I believe as well it was a lot to do with the fact that he's played some decent golf in Britain. So, you mm. know, that is... You've got you know, there to, to go by, isn't it? You decide what you want to do with it. I've got one more I want to mention uh, at a reasonably big price, just over 100 to 1. So is there any others you'd like to say? Uh, the only other one left would be uh, a look at um, Callum Shinkwin. Um, I know he's driving everybody mad when he gets there and has a nightmare third or fourth round. Um, has a cracking, opening, uh, cracking record in Scotland um, on the European Tour. Um, loves links. Um, it... it <laughs> He was born to play links, to, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you know, everything he does suggests that this is right up his street. Hits the ball an absolute country mile, so he's really not going to mind this. So he loves these these open-type events. He can he can just hit the ball. He can, he can find it. Uh, but we all know his problem is um, he's shocking around the greens, and uh, he's not a great putter. Um, no, one day... Trouble, one day <laughs> sorry? That will get you into trouble, won't it? Those well, it will do. I mean, one day, one day is gonna, it, it will, it will, you know, fall right for him. Um, he was a hundred to one this morning uh, with one firm. I think he's eighty now. Again, he's another one that potentially will drift on Betfair on the Wednesday on on sort of. Well, he is a hundred and seven, I think, on Betfair at the moment. Um, for anyone listening, Wednesdays is the day when anybody that's not blue, uh, that lit up in blue on Oddschecker, will tend to drift to ridiculous prices. Um, I think Stuart Sink, just for example, last week went to 290 or something. He was only 125 on the book. Um, so, yeah, I thought 100 at one was big. So, so Betfair looks like the way to play now that that's gone. Um, he loves it here. If he gets an if he gets an early tea time, by the way, he'll be one to look at for a first round leader. Um, almost. Yeah, definitely. I've got a guy that played well at Close House. I think you put him up the week after he played well at Close House because he was an absurd price still. Uh, Dale Whitnell. Now he's been he's been playing okay since that that fourth place finish at at Close House. He's only missed two cuts out of what it was seven events since then. 
Um, he was 24th at the Portugal Masters and he shot a second round 77 uh, to really kind of... Uh, uh, 74, sorry, to really ruin his chances. And, you know, he was only three or four shots outside the top five or six. So finished at 39th for the Irish Open. Um, and say, if it's anything like close house he was he was right there it was a uh, top performance for him on the on the European tour best ever he's done so one last year on the challenge tour there's sort of signs to suggest that like we talked about the second half careers with Karen Moore you know he he maybe is starting to to find something to say that he belongs out here he won on the challenge tour last year beating Laurie Cancer Jack Senior uh, Ben Stowe Richard Mansell all, all in the top 10 there um, I just thought it was an interesting, a reasonably long odds at 125 and 140 to one. Yeah, he did play well, play well at close house. He had a big chance of winning, didn't he? Before it all got a bit, all got a bit much for him, and and you know, he well, stalled really. Like him, it means a lot, doesn't it? Oh, you know, absolutely. It's, it's... And he was his attitude was fantastic. So, yeah, you know, he could play. I, I can't see it, to be honest with you. He wouldn't be on my list, um, but then I guess. Some of the ones I picked won't be on your list. So. Well, I, again, this is one of those ones where he was just a guy that I thought when I when you mentioned the close house link, the first thing I thought of was who played well that I wasn't expecting to because that's there's certain players that you look at these forms and they've got forms everywhere, but they're players that should play well everywhere because they're that good. Um, so then yes. you kind of want to look for the players that are surprising and why are they up there. Um, and then when you look at kind of his best finishes, okay, it's not great, but his sixth best finish of his career was at the Dunhill Links. So obviously feels comfortable on this sort of track. If he got to play it more often he'd probably uh possibly succeed over there. You know, he actually tied <laughs> tied Rory McElroy in an open championship two thousand and twelve. I mean they both finished sixtieth, so it's not great, but uh, you know, <laughs> he's, uh, look I just think it's a guy that he'll feel comfortable on this type of event. He's obviously finished fourth not so long ago and it hasn't really sort of fallen off a cliff after doing that and was someone to worth noting. I don't think I'm going to bet him. I think I'll probably just uh, keep him with my uh, 40 to 1 camera and maybe Mark Warren if he drifts out on Betfair as a, as a saver. But that's it for me, really. Any, any others to mention or are we going on to the... No, no, thing? no, we can move on. I mean, I must mention Aaron Rye just because he, he is playing well. I know he missed the cut last week, 68-77. Can be expected, really. Um, but, you know, he won in Scotland and run very, very lovely very well in Scotland obviously held off uh, Tommy Fleetwood who's, who's buggered off over to the CJ Cup um, and again just to put that in context okay Rice short of 14s Westwood at 12s but um, when you think you know Porter Fleetwood um, Hatton they've all gone over to the CJ Cup so you know you put their current form in context and they, they do deserve to be that price whether or not you think they're you know too short or not um, yeah it's um we could see a demolition from one of the top lot. Um, I'm not sure that, that that is my you know that's my worry. They don't have uh, particularly bad weather. There is potential for one of the classier players here to win this by five or six. To be honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be interesting, won't it? Be since it can be one of those ones that's a life-changing event for some because playing rights, you know, security, being able to say you're a winner on the European Tour, no matter what the level of you know standard of field it was. Um, and for others, it would just be another to the collection, wouldn't it? So it just depends what type of wood you get. But moving on to the CJ Cup, I think we've got 16 of the top 20 in the world in the field this week. Um, always get a decent field in these sort of limited uh, fields. And 
yeah, they're all here, aren't they? Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, Xander Schauffele, Roy McIlroy make up the top six. Uh, we were talking off air. Um, Justin Thomas would be the one for me out of that lot, I think, just because of the the course links that we're going to talk about shortly. But I don't know who would be your pick of the bunch. Ah, uh, it's a good top of the field, isn't it? I, I, the, the only one I don't particularly like is is John Rahm. Um, it's not that I've got anything against John Rahm. I didn't like him. You know, I don't seem to like him any week, to be honest with you. We talk about him. Maybe, maybe it's just his price just puts me off. But I just think he's a bit, um, still a bit volatile, despite his obviously huge talent. Um, but he's had he's had a little break, hasn't he? He he could come back and and you know easily destroy this field. I mean, I don't know if anybody's looked at the course um, on the PGA Tour site. That, that you know, you go down to the course, they show you every hole. It looks absolutely stunning. I mean, genuinely, uh, you know, normally I'd, whatever, I mean, but this Shadow Creek, the, the way the trees are and and the lakes and, and the rolling um, fairways, this looks a stunning cause. Now, I'm hoping that that hasn't all been photoshopped and actually what it looks <laughs> like, because it will be an amazing course to view. It should um, do. It's the most expensive green fee in the world. Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, what they say, there's like, you know, it's going to be a magnificent condition because nobody actually plays it. No really. one can play it. Yeah. Um, it just looks it looks stunning. Um, so I say if you haven't looked at it on the PGA, just you know take five minutes to look because you know you've got it. You're going to have to be accurate, um, and it just it it just looks perfection. It's uh, it's where Tiger Woods and uh, Phil Mickelson played the match, isn't it? I believe yeah. it was. I, I, um, I believe that in my mind. I think. Well, all I can remember back from that was when all you could hear was Phil Mickelson excessively breathing in the uh, into his microphone and basically I couldn't watch it anymore. Um, it was just a rich get richer and, and I don't need to hear an old man struggling for breath. I could just go down to gym if I wanted to hear that. So, um, and it would probably be me as well because I'm not exactly in shape. So, um, look, it's, it's going to be a really nice course, like you say. It's got the best players in the world on it. Um, and, you know, they're trying to sharpen their tools before the Masters now. I think that's close enough to say that. I think it's, is it a month today that they're playing over yeah. there? So um, the reason I talked about Justin Thomas at the start was because it's a Fazio. He's redesigned this course. He's also responsible for uh, Quail Hollow, which is the longtime host of the Wells Fargo and also the 2017 PGA Championship, which Thomas won. Uh, he's also responsible for Firestone, the WGC Bridgestone event. Uh, was there for a lot of time. Uh, Thomas won that, and he was also responsible for Honda Classic, of course. And he's won that. So yeah. that would be. And the other person you can put into that is Rory McIlroy, has won at all three of those courses as well. So Thomas is in better form than Rory McIlroy. Thomas has won more recently than Rory McIlroy. That would be a differential between those two. But I'm actually going to go back to the well. I think with Matthew Wolf. I think that I don't think it means an awful lot that he was in Vegas last week, other than the fact that he played really well. And you know, I don't know if he's the type that's going to get himself into trouble in Vegas. I don't think you can get yourself into trouble in Vegas at the moment with what's going on. But if there is a way, then I'm sure some of the top lot will find it, and he might just be concentrating. He's just—I think he's absolutely phenomenal. I think we at the start of the season or start of the year, we were talking, weren't we, and trying to separate Wolf Morikawa and Hovland and. And there was a massive uh, suggestion that Morikawa was the, was the best by a mile. Uh, I kept trying to lobby for Hovland, and then and Matthew Wolf was kind of forgotten about. And since then, he's only finished fourth at the PGA, the second at the US Open, and lost in the playoff last week. 
um, at the Shriners in Vegas as well. So I just think this is going to be a course where he can probably get it out there quite a way. That's his skill set. Um, he's not giving up significant course experience to anybody else, so it's not like it affects him that he's a newbie here. And uh, he's not got as many to beat as he had last week, and he's still relatively the same price. So at 22 to 1, yes, there's better people to beat, but uh, I quite like the price. Yeah, I, I thought he. I found it very strange last weekend. Well, yesterday, isn't it? Now, um, on Sunday, he he seemed to be out of it, um, and suddenly he's in a playoff, and that's I'd despite. Gi- I'd given up. I'd literally yeah, given up absolutely. on it completely because I thought that he was. I was excited. I had Cantley going in with the, with the lead. Um, Larry had already ruined the double fun anyway, but but Cantley was there, um, and he was tied with Martin Laird going into the final round, and Matthew Wolf was two behind. I thought, here we go. Like, Cantley Wolf won two. Really excited. Um, Wolf didn't really do anything wrong, but it just looked like Martin Laird was pulling away, didn't it? He didn't. He was steady rather than exciting. And then, like you say, all of a sudden, I was just getting ready to go to bed, fall asleep, and all of a sudden you find out he's in a playoff. And really and truly, if Laird didn't hold the shot that he did out the bunker, um, it could have been a different story completely. So all leaves and butts, and when the 250 to 1 winner wins, you just kind of have to go, well, fair play. Well done to Mr. Sundog Monkey for picking him. Um, but that's back to back seconds now for Matthew Wolf, and he's world number 12 at 21 years of age. Yeah, I don't like him this week, but. I, I'm not going to argue against against you. It's just it's just a feed. There's, there's no particular reason. I don't think this is going to suit. Well, it'd be interesting to see what he does off the tee. Let's put it like that. Because if he's not tidy off the tee, I think he might be in trouble around here. And this is purely off of off of looking at the course guide. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, he doesn't leap out to me as he does to you. I think JT absolutely. And I think if you want to double him up with. Westwood or, or you know I might do it with Paratore um, yeah I, I quite like that he, he doesn't look to have a weakness Justin Thomas and, and this is course is made for him so um, yeah I, I'd go but for me DJ as always you can you can park him there wherever you like he's got to be up there uh, JT definitely Sander always because I think he's going to win the Masters and there's a couple of holes here that are similar to uh, a couple of the Masters holes so it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Um, uh, hmm. Yeah, I, I see where you're going with Wolf, but for some reason he's just not for me this week. I kind of, when you say that you know it's not generous off the tee and that is his main skill set, that is the worry. Like, is he just a one-dimensional player? Uh, and maybe at the moment he is. Like, he's not. Um, he is a long hitter, and that is it. And when he can open his shoulders and, and hit one off the tee. He's in a whole lot of confidence, but at some point he's going to develop the rest of the parts of his game. Uh, when he's in that kind of form, as he is, um, I'd just rather take advantage of it. I mean, there's there's guys here. Brooks Koepka is coming back from, you know, whatever it is that's you know wrong with him, his knee injury, his, his head, or whatever. Um, he's won the CJ. He's he's won uh, the CJ Cup, hasn't he? And he's uh, played well at Firestone. So he would make a lot of sense if he wasn't injured I don't know if he's injured anymore I don't, I haven't, you're just guessing aren't you at 25 to 1 if you want to take a chance then, then so be it Tyrrell Hatton's obviously playing out of his skin um, he's got to make a trip over after winning Wentworth probably gets laughed at for wearing a hoodie again I won't go into that too much um, 
And I cannot, I, whereas I can go back to the world of Matthew Wolf, I cannot go back to the world after, after watching Patrick Cantley yesterday when he had the chance to win. No, I couldn't. No, you can't have Cantley after that. It's, um, I think it was something silly, like takes his record to 0 5, leading at halfway or something like that. I'm a fan of Cantley, but yeah, I wasn't good, was it? At no point did he ever look like winning on Sunday, and therefore, no, it'd be hard to, to recommend him. It's a, I think this is a difficult, difficult. I think. There are a couple that stand out, like you say. I think, I think you know, Justin Thomas stands out at the front of the market, um, and then you're hoping, you know, because quite easy, DJ Ram, Thomas Shuffler, Rory, if you have to put him in, um, they could easily take up five of the top ten, can they? Um, such as their class, Tita Green, and stuff like that. So it, it is a hard one. Um, I, I don't really know. You know, um, your old mate um, Hideki. Um, obviously got the tee to green stuff um, was top five at the PGA Quay or hollow yeah he's got form everywhere isn't he really he just never wins does he um, and he's getting bigger and bigger so he's now 30 to 1 in limited field event does that not appeal to you at all does a little bit it, it, ah, there we are. I, must, I must admit that it did it did because um, he was the same sort of price in this field which is smaller than he has been in in bigger ones and and at least he's got the form at different courses but yeah it's just Hideki isn't it I just I just going to finish 20th isn't he <laughs> well he might not finish he might finish 10th no, this week because of the because of the limited field yeah. but that's that's probably it I just I don't know what it is because I don't even look at him really and go he's going to miss that part he's not like that although he is <laughs> he does do that but I don't I don't find myself frustrated I just think that he just disappears from coverage very quickly and you don't really know what's happened. He's just gone bogey, bogey, bogey and put himself out of contention. Um, and and I, when I think of Hideki Matsuyama and you think of all those wins he had two or three years ago, he just hasn't he hasn't looked like getting back to that. And yes, he hits the ball beautifully well and he's always up there, tees green approach and everything else, but so is Keegan Bradley. Um, and we see what happens there. They've both got the same problem. It's just he's not as bad as Keegan Bradley. That would be for me, really. I just that I think that's where I mean we 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 like stats, don't we? I think we're quite statistically uh, we we get into that quite a lot, and and you have to. I think that's the, the modern day, but I think they can lie a little bit, not not in the sense that that they're completely wrong in you're not looking at the right players, and and he isn't hitting the ball well. I'm not saying that at all. He is hitting the ball well. It's just that is that does that mean he's any good? Um, no, there are interpretations, definitely. Yeah. And, yeah, I just think he gets maybe overrated because of how well he strikes the ball. And he's he's in that class of player that is 30 and 35 to 1, so everyone thinks of him as a ball striker. Um, he's similar to Tommy Fleetwood, isn't he? Tommy Fleetwood was an extremely good ball striker. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood was one more recently, but he would still have, he'd still have concerns with him over a Sunday lead at the moment. I, I, yeah, I can have him. I was just asking you the question. <laughs> no, it, 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 yeah, I think he'll I be there. He'll be there because I think the course ha- has to suit his tee to green play. Um, and, and as we say, you know, he's 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 got form in this event. I know it's like you know um, miles away, um, but he has got course in this event. Um, has got form in this event. I think he was third in 2019, and he has got form at Quail Hollow. So 31 is. It's starting to begin to look like a price where, you know, uh, literally an each way bet to nothing. But it's a decky, isn't it? 
you know, not sure. It's not for me. Going back to Dustin Johnson very quickly before we move on to him is that he did actually set the uh, the course record here at Shadow Creek. It was a 65, uh, playing with his uh, father-in-law Wayne Gretzky, uh, whatever you want to put into that. But it was a no. 60, 65, uh, whereas Absolutely. the previous was 60. So it's obviously got tougher, hasn't it? It's well, it's worth nothing, is it? That is it really? It's like you know, any of these you get up at eight o'clock and on a Tuesday morning go around and hitting, you know, Mister Fifty Nine. I mean, you know, so what? It means no, absolutely. It doesn't mean anything. Just it's irrelevant. Know. You know, yeah, I know. But he's, he's, I, I, yeah, thanks. Thanks for letting me know. I just think it's it's a total irrelevancy. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm sure that. Um, okay, let's let's roll down the list. I'm sure that you know Adam Hadwin has got you know a 62 around his favourite course near his house, but you know so but what this, when they but go? But this is yeah, his favourite course. No, but when they go there and he he plays in this field, it it, 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 it don't matter. I mean DJ, we know he's going to hit 65, 64, 63. We know that anyway. It doesn't really matter if the course suits him or not. He's still going to do it. So I just find that absolutely irrelevant stat. Do you know why I mentioned it? Because it was on the first look on a PGA Tour. It's because they don't have anything else to say about it. That's, that's they didn't ask us, Tom, did they? They didn't ask us. They did not ask us. They did not look at the Tom Fazio links. Um, I am struggling for a bit. Um, I have a couple. You talked me into one, um, which I think we're both going to regret in the end. But anyway, that, that's, that's for... Rather like this, do you want to do a podcast question, you asked? <laughs> yeah. We'll uh, we'll move on swiftly after we make that bet and, and hope no one notices. But um, look, you've got one here at a, a similar price at forty to one. I think he was that you wanted to put out first. Uh, Harris English 45, 45 to one, playing really well. Um, Not the one I thought you were going to go with, but it's okay. what Louis Oost has. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, Louis Louis hasn't got I don't think as much claims as as, as English. Okay, they're both in the same um, price bracket, aren't they? Really. Um, Oh, Louis Oosthuizen is playing really well at the moment. Uh, we know that he never wins, um, or doesn't win. Sort of doesn't win when he should. He's another one, isn't he? It's like you think, oh my God, he's playing so well. He's striking the ball so beautifully. Um, you know, oh great, he's sixth again. You know, it's a bit like your Hideki thing, isn't it? It's um, it yeah, drives you mad. He's won, a, since he's won a couple of majors and nearly won a third one. Well, he's, he's second at every single one, isn't he now? But yeah, I mean, but he, he you know, he he's hit. You know, every time we see him, he's hitting the ball absolutely beautifully at the moment. Um, and this course, for me, looks like it's going to suit him. Like, I thought he played well, at, you know, last week. I know it was a lesser grade. A 71 third round wouldn't have helped. Obviously, third at the US Open. Um, you know, his it's form, he, he, he turned, I think you're the one who said a few weeks ago, didn't you? Um, you know, he turns up in top grade uh, events and you didn't want to be on him in um yeah i can't remember where it was where it was now it might have been but he was like 14 to one favorite or something wasn't he something close to that you said you didn't want yeah but you as he would be if he's downgraded yeah. um uh, the course looks like it, it will suit. Uh, you know what else have i got really i mean we know he, he plays beautifully um uh, i don't know I, there's something about him and something about his play that i've watched recently that makes me think he's ready to do something special um whether he's worthy at 41 against, I might as well bring him up, Harris English at 45 to 1. I don't know. Yes, he's, a, he's much more of a winner. But English has, has obviously played really well at the US Open recently. Um, 
he's got 17th at the Wells Fargo in 2016. He's only had three attempts there. Um, you mentioned the Honda. He's got three top 20s at the Honda, including the 12th. Um, and, and as Ben says every time he comes on, you know, um, he's never played better, Harris English. Um, all his stats are fantastic. His, his, his accuracy, his greens and reg, scrambling. We, we know that he's got to get it got to get it rolling with a putter we don't know whether he's going to turn up and you look at the stats yourself we don't know if he's going to turn up and lose a shot to the field or gain four and a half five shots um he's always he's one that catches my eye because he's always there he's there in the top 15 teeter green whatever year we look at you know i think he was in the he was definitely in the top 20 of um uh, strokes gain teeter green last year he's almost certainly in the top 15 already this year um what do we do with him what do we do I just thought 45 was 12 points too big to be honest with you um, yeah that, that's that's a lot about about English really I, 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 there's something about him the thing with English like we were saying is that he has to take advantage of this form like it would be criminal if he left 2020 without a win and the trouble is is that he's if you don't expect him to win the Masters uh, I don't even know if he's in the field for the Masters, I can't remember, but he's, you know, he he's running out of opportunities is basically what I'm getting at. Um, this is a, a stronger field than he's been playing in, so, yeah, I just, it seems strange, doesn't it, that he's never played better in his life and, and he could go winless, and, and if he does, I think that could be detrimental because I think that it will be so demoralising that he couldn't get over the line when he needed to. And that's the only slight worry that I have is that maybe he's putting too much pressure on himself to take advantage of good form. It's, it's a, I mean, it's a lovely run of form, isn't it? I mean, from the Heritage through to through to the US Open. Um, it's a, again, it's it's all context, isn't it? it? You know, everyone can play well when they're either twenty-five to one, they're forty-five to one, they're sixty-six to one. Um, so it's what value you put on that on that price. And and for me, he was, I thought he was ten points too big. I know it's it's a much harder field, but. I wouldn't really be taking the chance with him at 45 myself, but you know, I'd be, I'd be quite happy to, to have something on him at that price. What do you make of another man that's returning back to form in Sergio Garcia? Because he's he obviously got that win with his eyes shut, so I wonder what he could do with his eyes open. <laughs> um, shot a 73 on the final day yesterday uh, after shooting 66-64 to open up. He It should be looking at it his type of event shouldn't it it's another one isn't it what, what's he going to do we don't know we just don't know do you it's 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 context again isn't it well the um, thing is for me it looked like it meant it, so how much. hungry is he how hungry is he I mean 50 at one does look big especially when you look like again Matt Fitzpatrick how can Matt Fitzpatrick be shorter than, than Sergio it's... he's definitely shorter than him he how is Hogwarts <laughs> how is Hogwarts <laughs> How is Hovland 15 points shorter than Sergio? I mean, whatever you think he's capable of doing, it it can't be, can it? It's impossible. Well, the thing is, is that Victor Hovland, for whatever he's going to be capable of doing in the future, right? And and this is the thing is, I was talking about about this the other day, and and I've been guilty of it, is that we're all very quick to anoint like future major winners. He's going to win a major. There's no doubt in my mind he'll be a major winner, and that happens all the time. And there's only so many people that win major championships. There's only mm. four a year. There's only 200 major winners, whatever, in total in the whole history of golf. So let's say, let's give him the benefit of the doubt and say he gets one major in his career. Um, if he gets two or three, I wouldn't be surprised, but but they're hard to win. 
Sergio's already done that. He's already had a couple of runners up. He's won already two weeks ago. And I actually thought that meant a lot to him. It looked like it meant an awful lot to him there. And I think that he's... If if the reaction was genuine and, and kind of what it would look like, I think he's hungry to win in this class of field again and show that he's... He's there. I mean, obviously, it's a Ryder Cup next year. He'll want to play in that. He's not going to want to miss one of those. Um, he's played well at the Bridgestone. He's had a second-place finish there. Um, he's played well at um, Quail Hollow, Hollow yeah, hasn't right. he? Yeah, very well. Um, yeah. You know, so generally speaking, this should be the perfect test for him to carry on his good form. I mean, I know he slipped down the leaderboard last week. Um, but, yeah, I just it's just yeah, one of those I, things, isn't it? It's, I, I agree. I think you're right. I find him hard to back. I find him really, really hard to back. Uh, mainly just because I don't like him. I actually just don't. I just don't, he just gets on my nerves. I just I find him annoying. I find his remarks out of place. Uh, but I really like Matthew Fitzpatrick. And then he <laughs> makes a comment last week that I just thought... <laughs> I mean, to be honest, you could put a zero behind Matthew Fitzpatrick and I don't think he could win this week because he's talked himself out of being able to win. Oh, he, basically, he basically said... He literally sat there dead in the eye straight faced and said I can go and add forty pounds and forty yards without a shadow of a doubt, it's not a skill. Bryson's that, reply was superb. That is that is unbelievably misplaced. Like that is such a ridiculous statement to make. Like I get I the sentiment around long driving being less skillful as a whole, right? People are saying that you know you don't have to shot shape as much and you don't have to hit these great approaches because you're just flicking in a wedge. Fine, whatever. But you cannot take away from the fact that he has to find the middle of that club face and he has to keep it relatively straight. If he was hitting it 400 yards, but he was hitting it 400 yards just in bounds and, and behind trees all the time and then hacking out, I'd say fair enough. But he's, he's hitting it straight and sh- as straight as most. So... It is a skill. And when you start handicapping yourself by going, well, he's literally said there, like, wing foot, I had no chance. I was hitting it really straight, and I know I had no chance. You just weren't good enough, Matt. <laughs> you literally weren't good enough that week. And you haven't, you know, he had a chance last week. Wasn't good enough. Like, how many times? If, if you can sit there and very easily add 40 yards to your game, go and do it. Go and prove to everybody your statement. Every, you've just sat there and said it's not a skill anyone can do it and it's ruining the game go and add the 40 yards and ruin the game and pick up a few wins while you do it because if it's that easy then why are you not bothering I just I just I find it so arrogant I find it unbelievably arrogant from somebody that that hasn't got the right to say that if Roy McIlroy said it you go alright well he's five time major champion whatever but this is a guy that's you know he's a brilliant player but he's won nothing strange strange comments really Interesting. As I say, I thought Bryson's reply was excellent. Probably the best shot he's played, actually. Um, but yeah, so um, yeah, yeah well, it's, it's a debate. But, but, it's a but debate what do you think about day, that, though? But what, just in a compact answer, do the, the you long think drive, the, a... the world long drive winner has never won a major. No. So it's it's yeah. I mean, look, whatever the whatever my thoughts about it are. Um, that doesn't really matter. It's yeah, absolutely. It's like I say, world long drive has never won. Has never won the. Uh, so there, there has. There's more to. There's more to it than that. Um, I, I guess people are fed up with it 
being the main topic of conversation is probably why you know till he just doesn't want to be asked i don't think i don't think he wants to talk about does he like maybe he's just like you know i don't even know why you're asking me because i hit it 280 yards and fuck him basically um but you know people have tried to matteo manicero you know he tries to put on length and bugger him up for what six seven years something like that wherever it's been um it's not about that, is it? I mean, we can we can get you 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 said it. You know, the fella found a way to take an advantage legally, and did it. Um, is that any different from your club manufacturer going? You know, I've, I've got this legal club head that will create another X amount of X miles per hour speed, or you know, this ball that will do that, or you know, whatever, um, or you know, all these fancy you know toys that you can you can use to help your game while you're practicing it's an advantage isn't it um look looks like a hell of a lot of work to get there um i say so i'm not going to debate whether it's right wrong boring or indifferent um but yeah you know shut up and and get on with it if you if you're automatically going in with it thinking you've got no chance look at the webs and people like that you know the web simpsons daniel burgers that went into this year and one earlier on in the year you know everyone can have that um thought just play your game mate you're all going to hit the green. You're all going to hit the green. Yeah? I mean, Fitzpatrick does it time and time and time again. And he, and he putts well, by the way. That's, but, that's, but he's not one. That's, no, not that's one. the thing and about yet, him. Is... And yet here we have a man who looks extremely awkward, um, for me anyway, once he's left left the tee. He looks bad on the tee box, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, and you can't knock the fact that there's a string of ones by his name. Um, so there are, there are people that change change history in whatever way they do it and, and Bryson's doing his little bit whether you I think just, it's right or wrong I just think but going back to Matthew Fitzpatrick you know, I'm not going to go off him as much as I suggest I am I do still really like him I think that was a, an ill uh, fated comment I think it was poor form from him but everyone has one of those I think and that might just be his um, but really and truly the reason I don't like him here is because he's shown no types of form around these Fazio designs no, no. Um, so in context, you're quite right. So Sergio's got that, um, you know, second and fourth, uh, plenty of top twenties at Quail Hollow, ninth, second, eighth at Honda. Um, he's in form, yeah. Like you say, he played well for half the tournament last week. That could have been a, a reaction. We know that. Um, here he is against the big boys again. He likes getting involved in the big boys um, when he can. So yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, I'd much rather be on Sergio at fifties and Fitzpatrick at shorter. Well, what what it is as well is that what was it the last ten calendar years he's won every year Sergio mm. Garcia, yeah. um, and he's fifty to one. Yeah. Like whatever whatever you attribute those, uh, some of those victories may not have been the you know top class. When one was in Thailand, one was here, there, and everywhere, you know. But he wins. Like whether you like him or not, I don't particularly like him. But he was fifth at the Heritage earlier on the season. He's won two weeks ago, um, and he's going to play a course that. That should suit him so. suit. yeah absolutely yeah tree yeah you know plenty of trees there yeah he's gonna he's gonna love it yeah i actually didn't even really consider it until we we came on and started discussing the two people above him and i just thought and i think going back to your louis thing i think that is is it a kind of bit of a hideki matsuyama type thing that you look at his swing who mm. stays and because he's been in coverage a bit more and you go oh doesn't he swing it well because he swings it well all the time doesn't it? Yes, he does. He has been for years. Yeah, um, started. Yeah, and maybe that's the concern is that you kind of get trapped in by that. But I don't know. 
that was just my two pence on that. Let's move on from those guys. Abraham Lancer paid well last week, didn't he? In the end, come fourth. Did I like um, answer? I like answer, but it's um, yeah, same price yeah. as Sergio, isn't he? Just to put it into context. Uh, I, I, I think Anza's got immense potential. He just hasn't quite put his nut in front quite as many times as you'd like him to. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was a par three demon. Uh, I must be honest, I haven't looked at the par three stats for this year so far, but that's probably played enough to, to warrant warrant looking at anyway, to be honest. Um, yeah, played well last week. Why not? Yeah, I don't particularly like him, but just one of those. Jason Day is uh, somewhere that I want to talk about because he's he was in really good form, wasn't he, leading into the... US Open and uh, everyone sort of fancied him there and, and I did and he is kind of lost it a little bit. Lost it but, completely. Yeah, yeah, that's probably much fairer to say that he's lost it completely. He's miscut, 64-38 miscut. Um, and to be honest, if, if the US Open was an easier golf course, he probably wouldn't have made the cut there either. It's only because it was a tough, you know, tough event. But... He has obviously finished ninth at the 2019 PGA. He's had a third, fourth, and twelfth at the Bridgestone. Um, this is his type of course, isn't it? Generally speaking, um, or what, what it appears to be anyway. Uh, form in all the right places. If there's any sort of signs that he's playing as he is, um, than he was before, that is sort of this bad spell that he's gone on. I think he may be someone that's worth because obviously we have the. We have the handicap in some sense that we record this on a Monday night. Um, and sometimes it's nice to get to a Wednesday and see what people have said, see what quotes come out about the golf course, see what, you know, health-wise, how people are, etc., etc. Um, and we don't have that uh, privilege. So he may be someone I sort of look to later in the week, but he was someone worth mentioning with the course form that he's uh, that he's played at before. Yeah, I've I've said it a thousand times. I'm not a fan of Jason Dye. Uh, Jason, Day. Jason Day. That's not very. You don't wish that on him. <laughs> no, sorry. Uh, talking to myself. Um, I'm not a fan of Jason Day. Um, I thought he was massive. I think at the 50s it was at the PGA Championship when, you know, as he was closing uh, at Memorial in the St Jude. That's the only time I think I've ever um, fancied him to do anything. Don't see how you can possibly like him at all the way he's playing. Uh, no, not at all. Not for you. But a player that is in. Equally poor form in terms of numbers it is, yeah. Um, which is which is going to completely contradict everything you just said. Ricky Fowler. Um, I've never bet Ricky Fowler either, but there's something about this week. I don't know. I, look, if we go along with the the course correlation thing, and you, you know, for some mad reason, did over in the European Tour this week, um, help me along there. Uh, yeah, you know, Ricky's got that. Well, he's got quite a hollow form all over the place, hasn't he? You know, he's won. Um, he's got top fives all over the place. He was fifth in the PGA 2017. Um, yeah, he was even six on debut round there. Uh, and obviously, he's won at the Honda, uh, which you you know you've put up as a, a you know a relevant a relevant form line. Um, we were talking about him earlier, weren't we? Um, just before we came on, and we don't think he's gone at the game. You know, there are there are signs and and. You know, to be, I mean, okay, he's got top 15 at um, St. Jude, where you rightly said final round of 73, you know, probably knocked him out of sort of, you know, seventh, eighth place. So he definitely would have appeared on the front page. Uh, 12th at the Rocket Mortgage yeah, is, is whatever, whatever you want. Um, they're not good 
I have to be honest, they're not good after that. Um, there are snippets. So, um, you know, 77 at the US Open second round, 79 in the fourth round. That's, you know, it's pretty poor, really. For a man that, that thrives on tough courses and, and, you know, major courses. And last week he misses the cut, 67 first round. I'm, I'm actually playing on the fact that because of his love of uh, similar courses, he's going to um, arrive in a better mindset and, and play a better game. I'm sure he's he's not 100% focused on golf at the moment. He's got other things, you know, he's got other things. He's got, you know, he's getting older, so he, he sees more of a, um, there are things outside of golf, such as family, et cetera, and charities and stuff like that. I, I just thought a 66 to one, he was now getting to a price where I'm quite prepared to take the chance. Um, he's starting to go off at these 66, you know, 50, 55, 66 to one. And, um, yeah, if you know, if he's not fancy and he drifts on Betfair um, and starts starts, you know, he's 82, I think, at the moment on Betfair. But he starts drifting much more. 90, you never know. On Wonderful Wednesday, he actually might drift out to triple figures. I'd have to be on just because I think there's something there. Whereas I think Jason Day, when he goes, he's gone. I mean, you just won't see him until he until he, you know, he chucks his latest coach out the way or whatever. Um, whereas I don't think Ricky has. It's like Gary Woodland's in the same 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 price bracket. He's not playing well, but I don't think they've gone. Um, and it was just that course correlation that um, made me think. 50 with uh, Sky Bet and a few others is nearer the mark than 66 that, that quite a few put up. That's the thing. You talk about all that quail hollow form. He's obviously won at Honda. He's got a second there as well in a in a playoff, 6th, 7th, 13th. And you look at his... His Firestone record as well. He's got four, uh, five top ten finishes, including a second. It's where he uh, now, isn't it? Yeah, but um, like you say, he's just going to be in a better mood. And, and we've seen, you know, when why we say he's not gone at the game. That fifteenth at St Jude, where he had a seventy-three in the final round. You know, this he was 64, 67, 69. So what he was trending towards a, you know, it was trending towards a seventy-one. So um, that would have had him sixth for seventy-one. 70 would have had him third, mm. uh, second. Mm. You know, it's it's a case of, he's, it's, you know, two shots is nothing. Like, it's, it's one hole, isn't it? Um, so his his body of work, although he's not playing his best, he's still grinding out. We had a 12th in the Rocket Mortgage, 22nd uh, the work day, you know, again, where his, his worst round was in the final round. It's just a case of he isn't quite... Whereas he always used to put four rounds together and never quite get it over the line, he's 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 now sort of chucking in a bad round because he's going through swing changes. There's no there's no hiding from it. He's trying to get better. Um, and again, you know, we talk about people making improvements and making sudden improvements. He's not one of them. He he's grinding away at it. One other thing that that I wanted to mention that we I spoke to you about before we came on, um, Carston Creek. Oklahoma State University golf course, um, obviously where Ricky Fowler uh, and then Matthew Wolf both went to school, um, was designed by Tom Fazio, and and Ricky Fowler used to go back there an awful lot when he just kind of wanted to to prepare for a special tournament or just wanted to get away for a couple of weeks, and and I'm assuming he'd done pretty well on those courses. So just for me, like everything about a Tom Fazio course suggests that Ricky Fowler likes it. I think he just prefers playing with the big boys than trying to grind away at these, you know, smaller events because he thinks he belongs in the other category, which he does. 
and and he's you know, like you say 66 to 1 70 to 1 he's now the price that he should have been for the last couple of years um for the most part um and you know i just think he's not someone that you question and go is he ever going to come back like there's never really been a massive um a massive question mark over whether he can win as it it's been whether he can win in a major he's always top five in a major mm. without winning type thing you know it's it's whether he could get over the line he's won a players championship um he's won abroad on the european tour twice he's won the honda classic um won the wells fargo two that linked to this golf course um you know everywhere he's he's played brilliantly everywhere he's ever played um but generally speaking some of his best ever performances have come on these sort of tracks and if we we don't really know until we see it whether shadow creek is ever going to be relating to those golf courses but if it does it's something to uh, to put in the positive column and and i don't think there needs to be too much put in the positive column at 66 to 1 for someone of ricky fowler's quality yep yeah, summed up well yeah there we go and thanks for that little uh, snippet because that yeah that puts that puts a little bit more plus on onto his column doesn't it so yeah why not yeah, I mean, again, like Ricky Fowler, what the type of player he was in college, like it probably wouldn't have matter what his home course was, he would have played well, wouldn't he? But it only benefits the fact that he spent his his formative years uh, playing on on a college course that was made by his designer. So mm. I just think it was a, a little bonus. It's nothing. I wouldn't. It wouldn't be the reason I picked him, but it's enough to uh, to like him. Uh, Ian Poulter is another person that's chimed in uh, with Matthew Fitzpatrick on the Bryson debate. He didn't actually have a go at Bryson as much as everybody else seems to at the moment. He just tried to suggest that if you limited how low you made the loft on a driver, that everything would be okay. Uh, and then I was quickly pointed out to him that Dustin Johnson hits 11-degree driver. What? Uh, Rory McIlroy hits a 9.5-degree driver. Why can't uh, they just... Sorry, so why can't they... I mean, I, I nothing zero about golf design, but why can't they just narrow the fairway dramatically at 3... 50 to 380 or something like that well that's the thing isn't it at the moment they're narrowed at 280 because that used to be what yeah. it was yeah so just narrow it uh, narrow it it's not hard is it it's only cutting grass isn't it why don't they just why don't they just you know they know who's turning up you know they've got enough time to prepare it why don't they just narrow the fairway at 340 it's, to 390 it's all this thing about why well, they've got to they've got to change golf balls and golf technology that they haven't golf course designers have just got to get better They've got to start making it firm and fast. They've got to start adding in hazards where they haven't got hazards at the moment. Um, oh, your bunkers to... have got to be. Yeah, these bunks. Some of these bunkers are just. They're ridiculous. not bunkers, are they? No, they're, they're just. Ridiculous. They're just. They're not even worse than rough. No, like they're right. they're they're pinging woods and things out of them on on the fairways. It's just it's absurd. Like they they've just got. Uh, it's not lazy. Complacent with golf course design, you know. There's certain golf courses that you can go, right, never touch it and we'll love it, is Augusta, uh, the old course, whatever, well, that's going to get torn apart at some point. Um, they're historically brilliant, but these run-of-the-mill golf courses that, that are getting taken advantage of, do better. Design them better. Put things in place. Get Jeff Ogilvy to go over there and have a run over it, because he'll, he'll sort them out. It's just a case of... Stop blaming equipment. It's ridiculous. You know, it's not because Bryson DeChambeau has a four and a half degree driver. It's because he hits it so far. It's not because he put on foot. He just he's bloody worked his socks off to do it. And whether you like it or not, he's doing it. Um, so yeah, Ian Poulter, you can't just you can't just limit it and, and not hit a four and a half degree driver because Bryson will still hit one for uh, DJ will still hit one hit one forty years past you. So there we go. Another little rant in there. Um, 
But he is playing well, Paul, to be fair. He is. He's, he's yeah, got, Ian Paul's playing, playing right brilliant. Back to and, top, hasn't he? Top grade. I'm not yeah. having a go at him because he's he didn't actually directly moan about it. He just had his two pence in it. And I thought it was a bit of a strange way to come at it. I think it's something that he just doesn't really understand. And he thought he had to say something and and said something a little bit stupid, to be honest. But back-to-back top six finishes, uh, both on the European Tour, played well at the PGA Championship, didn't he? Uh, tied 22nd. Mm. Mm. Um, just trying to think of how he's played at the the other courses that we mentioned. And he's played, I think he's played well in the Honda Classic before, hasn't he? I thought he'd played all right, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's, got, he's had a third place finish there in 2015, um, and you know he's a he's a big time player, isn't he? He likes these these events. Um, whether he can win or not, I don't know. He doesn't particularly win that often for for someone as ballsy as he is. Um, if he does, it's never quite seems to be these events anymore. But it'd be interesting to see how he gets on at 66 to one. Wacky Neiman's back in form. Shane Lowry um, let me down last week <laughs> massively. There's no, uh, there's no two ways to go about it. Wasn't he in front? Yeah, he looked brilliant. He, you know, after two rounds, you thought, well, there we go. Well, say let me down. We both picked him, didn't we, for, mm. for Wentworth Absolutely. last week? Yeah. It's just yeah. I chucked him a double cantlay and it felt sore. But um, you know, he's won at the Bridgestone. That's one of the things we must say. Um, he's won at Firestone, and you know, if that means anything, then he would be a reasonable bet. He was 21st at the Honda Classic earlier in this year. Uh, he's obviously, despite the fact that he didn't didn't get over the line, he played well for a large majority of last week, 67-65. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's a big price or whether it's just the kind of price you would expect on him uh, at 80 to one. Because there's a lot of there's some 50 to one about with people that don't want to take take him on I think maybe the 66 to 1 about him in between at Skybet is probably the right price yeah it wouldn't surprise me if he if he if he turned up this week and and you know played much better again loads of trees here so you know he's gonna love it um I, I don't know what to make of him really I mean you know you talk about the ones coming over like you say yeah um Paul was playing well um I know we've got to go up the list for for Till Hatton but he's you know He's flying wherever he he's goes, isn't he? Really, isn't he? I really like Till Hand. I, I think I he's bet he doesn't wear a hoodie over there. Um, oh, you won't do because it's ninety degrees. But yeah, well, I bet he doesn't wear a bet he doesn't wear a string you know, vest. A string vest. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's playing. You know, he's playing stunning. So it'd be very interesting to see how they how they um, all play back over there. But it, it's very possible that will suit him. I think Paul has played quite well in this event, although obviously miles away. Uh, um, you know, um, but he's played well in this class before. Um, yeah, I, I could see Porter doing something. I, I couldn't see him winning, whereas I could see Till Hatton winning. I can't see Shane Lowry um, winning, but I could see him playing well. So, yeah, you know, it, it wouldn't please you if he got a top five, would it? But, you know, hey, well, it depends if I decide to bet on him or not. But yeah, I just I think he's a reasonable price for someone that generally speaking, tends to turn up in these sort of events um, and obviously has that little bit of Honda Classic form and the Bridgestone win. Yeah. That would be the, the main focus for me. But I think it's important to mention, really, is that this CJ Cup, although it was obviously played in uh, in Korea for, for the main part, or well, every year, uh, the winners, Justin Thomas, Brooks Koepka, Justin Thomas. Now, I don't think you need to scratch around for a winner. There was a, a surprise uh, runner-up last year. I'm actually going to mention 
uh, in a minute. But um, I just don't. This kind of hundred to one, hundred and seventy-five to one, you know, range I think is a bit dead. Really, I don't think you need to. I looked at Ryan Palmer as someone that's had a runner-up at the Bridgestone and the Honda Classic. Strikes the ball really well, um, but you're, you're basically playing for place money. He's not going to win. Sebastian Munoz keeps impressing, doesn't he? Um, not sure what he's like on this type of golf course, but seems to be playing well every time he tees it up. Um, Kenzie yeah, Hughes. I just yeah, McKenzie, yeah, McKenzie if it, Hughes if it came is down 110 to, to one, con- isn't it? Yeah, if it came down to a putting contest, um, despite the fact that he missed that uh, six-footer on the final hole at Dominican Republic. Um, which didn't. I mean, he wouldn't have won in the end, but it still annoyed me. Um, but he, he's he's playing, you know, he's playing really, really well. If it came down to patting contest, he'd be next to Porter on the final green. But can he win it? Probably not. Uh, Cam Smith, there's a man who, who, you know, don't he's got absolutely zero form at any of the uh, correlative courses that you pick up. But he's got uh, two thirds and a sixth in this event. Um, and actually played okay last week, didn't he? Um, yeah, he's, I think he's actually it, been showing some signs of some decent form again. It'd isn't be he? interesting to see what he does because, uh, yeah, uh, we'll see what he does. He, he he looks okay, and it may be that he comes to life at this event. But how do you know? It's it's a completely different course, and, and everything else of uh, of uh, Fazio's he's, he's failed at. So um, he plays well at the Shriners anyway. So um, maybe it's a location thing, and if it is, you know, he's he's obviously turned up at the same location uh, for the CJ Cup three times and done it. So maybe, you know, if he turns up well at the old Nevada desert, uh, he plays well at the Shriners, maybe he will turn up here. So it's not impossible that I take the chance again. 175 on Betfair, he's going to drift to 200. That, that's got to be worth something. Uh, yeah, because, that's, because that's, a, that's a player. So when you look at it as well, is that he's had no miscuts since the Travellers. Okay, they're not all been that impressive, but there's kind of like four or five top 25 finishes recently. So he's obviously got... Because he was, you know, he'd won in Hawaii, hadn't he, uh, at the start of the year. And then nothing, like absolutely nothing, missing cuts every week. Um, and there was slight concerns about what was going on. But as soon as he started showing a bit of form, you know, this is a guy that's contended at US Open. Mm. Um, like you rightly point out, uh, he does play well at the Shriners. And he goes, I think that's why he plays the CJ Cup so well. I mean, forget about just the fact that it might just be a nice bit of travel for him he, between Europe and, and Australia and things like that. Um, it's kind of a just he's in form at that time of year, um, and he's pointing, he's trending in that right direction now. So although I, the reason I didn't used to like him was because he was always a bit short for for the type of uh, winner profile that he's got. I mean, he hasn't really won much, has he? So I always used to think he was overvalued based on the fact that he once contended he was open. All of a sudden, he's hundreds won seven places. Uh, 200 to one on Betfair win only nearly you know that's that's starting to be a bit more tempting isn't it yeah yeah I think so there's just uh, just of interest as you say you know you don't know there's there's you know PMA all over the place whether it's turning up at a course whether it's turning up at the time of year you know buyer rhythms all this all this sort of thing opposite course things there's you know there's loads of it but yeah like we say you know the fact that he he has continued his form at the Shriners at this and it's in this region this time of year he plays well uh, whatever i mean you know you, you're not betting 10 to 1 are you so at 200 to 1 the old usual you know lay at a quarter w money at a quarter the odds he's got to hit 50 yeah i'll give it a go 
did have a player that's kind of in similar form to Cameron Smith, but actually slightly better is Brian Harmon. Um, <laughs> finished 13th last week. <laughs> you laugh, right? So he's 72 in the final round, sort of put him out of contention. But where are his best finishes? He's had a win at the Wells Fargo. He's finished 13th for the 2017 PGA, also at Quail Hollow. He's had two top 12 finishes at the Honda, I think it is. Um, you know, the signs are there that this is the type of course that he plays well at. And he's finished second at the US Open. Um, he just plays these limited events pretty well. He's mm. got a fifth in this event itself. Um I actually think he's a reasonable price. Like I just again, I don't think that this range is is great. I just think that we can almost rule it out. I think that you're playing for place money. Um, but I thought it was interesting at hundred one, considering he's finished top thirteen in three of his last five events, and has obviously won on the correlating course that we talk about. Uh, you know, I'm not a fan of him, so um, yeah, I'm not arguing with you. But uh, you know, you can it's, get top. It's probably theory. easier to think of people that you are a fan of and just limit it to that, isn't it? Because it's struggling, not, there's not, not many. Like, be a very, a very, very short article. <laughs> um, there is top twenty betting, by the way, on with bookmakers that you can't get on with. But I presume some others might join in at some point. So um, yeah, you know, if you're looking for top twenty doubles or anything like that, then uh, you know, maybe, maybe. You know, John at Skybet will do you specials on two or three to finish in the top 20. And Harmon's 9-4. to four. Um, You know, so, yeah, why not? Cam Smith is 11-4. Yeah, I mean, again, idea. I think they're both kind of, aren't they? I think they're both top 12, top 15 finishes this week. And you'd be... Probably. Kind of, yeah. That's probably what you're looking at. Um, Danny Lee. Okay, he's... <laughs> Woefully out of form. I think he withdrew from the US Open because he was so embarrassed by his putting. Um, but he finished second in this event last year. Obviously, completely probably irrelevant to this week because it's, you know, completely different location. Um, but he finished sixth at Bridgestone. He's had two top 13 finishes at the Wells Fargo. And it, it just seems like Danny Lee's whole career where he just kind of turns up when it really doesn't make any sense <laughs> like you look That's at it exactly and just go how, how the bloody hell did Danny Lee uh, finish second at the Tour Championship the year that Jordan Spieth had taken over golf how did Danny Lee finish third at the Scottish Open in 2016 how did Danny Lee win in 2009 on the European Tour it's uh, he's a strange character isn't he he's obviously got bundles of ability doesn't seem to put it all together um, but just based on the fact that you know some of his standout performances um, on the ODWRL website, the sixth happens to be at Bridgestone, which I don't want to put too much stock in because otherwise you end up just backing people that play well there. And we haven't seen Shadow Creek to confirm that it is um, a correlation, but we can only go by the links that we've made ourselves, can't we? Mm-hmm. And you know, I don't look. I mean, he can't miss the cut this week. Um, but he could withdraw. That's about all I could say. Um, but at 250 to one, if you're if you're really scratching around and you want an outsider for some strange reason in an event that you know is going to go to someone at the top of the betting, I thought it was quite interesting. It'd be 400 on Betfair on Wednesday. Yeah, I mean, again, he'll probably come second at best. So it's it's one of those ones where yeah, but you 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 make you what I'm saying. If you fancy, you can do your thing. Well, yeah, yeah. You do your thing. And then you just you you go in on the next one. You go in on the next one. You know um, that's the idea of it. 
I mean, is he going to win? No, he's not going to win. Um, so yeah, you you know, as you say, you can get two fifty the first seven places. Why not? I mean, you know, it's abs- why not? You know, um, Ryan Palmer got third in this event, two thousand eighteen. Cabrera Barrow's played very very well here. Scott Piercy. I mean, you know, they're not. You know, Jamie Lovemark in 2017. You know, we Kim. I mean, they're not. You know, regular winners, are they? You know, you tend to find the classy players there, but but you also, you know, there's plenty of evidence that suggests that. You know, the the, the not less talented, but uh, the less winning most players also do appear on the front page of the leaderboard. So, not if if that's what you know, if that's where you want to play, that's absolutely fine. There's you know. I'd be definitely looking at him on Betfair, you know, if he if he went for a silly price. Um, why not, Tom? I think the thing about these events is that because there's four rounds, there's no worry about missing the cut. That you do just get the odd kind of player that plays with a bit more freedom. Like you say, a Ryan Palmer has got a, a third and a twelfth here, I think it is, in the CJ Cup. Um, second at two courses that we say correlate. He's the type of person that will probably finish in the top eight, and you go. Oh, didn't see that coming. I think, yeah. Sorry. It probably makes sense. Sorry, I think there is a case where in these tournaments, if there's a couple of classy players up front, then a lot of the other, what we would consider classy players who are eight, nine, ten behind, just don't bother. No. Quite simply, they just, they, they, they start practicing as you, you know, for future tournaments or they just have a walk around. And that allows those that, I mean, obviously, most years, um, this is worth, you know, a lot of money and a lot of prestige to them, it, it, more than it will be this year which is basically a, a year that doesn't count. Um, but you will find those coming through with 64, 65 that are trying a lot harder um, than those that are eight behind and just think, well, I'm not really bothered about finishing fourth or fifth, so I'm going to wander around and play about a bit with new, you know, might put a few new clubs in the bag or whatever, you know. Um, so I think that's where that comes from. And, and why not? You know, Danny Lee's got to play for something. Um, as as Dylan Fratelli, you know, Damon Long, blah, 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 blah. You know, if he's the one you pick, why not? Well, Damon will certainly be playing for money, won't he? Um, that's for sure. Yeah, that's about all he does because he actually admitted yeah, but, that. Yeah, but you know, you, you know, you know what I'm saying. It's it's why not? Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely agree with the with the sentiment. Look, I um, think it's just probably worth just summarising our picks. Um, for me, I'm going to go back to the world with Matthew Wolfe. Um, there is obviously a concern that you know, it's not the type of golf course that he can sort of uh, take advantage of. But Carson Creek was his home course. Fazio Design had a good college career. Uh, is certainly informed. Back-to-back second place finishes. Fourth at PGA not so long ago. Um, I just think that you know, there's a massive drop-off between him and the top guys, and and I don't really see that being a thing. Um, I also like uh, Sergio Garcia as we've gone on. I think that seven places, 50 to one about a player that won two weeks ago and plays well at all the correlating courses is exceptional. And I'm going to share the ride that is Ricky Fowler with you um, against my probably better judgment. Yeah. Um, JT, I think, looks absolutely solid, but you know, I can't bet that price a single. I may well double him up with Westwood and Paratori over the other side. Um, Oosthausen, I'm thinking about. I think Harris English, I think I will be on this. Might be the only time I am. Um, I really like his chance this week around here. Uh, 45 to 1. Ricky Fowler, we agree on at 66. I'll think about Sergio. Um, love to be with Hatton, but I can't really be. 
um, uh, Cam Smith on the Betfair exchange um, as late as possible Wednesday because he's going to drift. So, yeah, yeah, that looks like my lot there. Yeah, so happy those. Just a, a reminder of our Scottish Championship picks. Um, I'll let you go first with this one. Will you? Uh, okay, I've got to turn the page over. <laughs> um, Paratore, I, I, I really quite like the chance of Paratore this week. Um, so I've got that right. Oh, I wish you'd have gone first. Oh, there we are. Yeah. Um, Justin Harding, I don't know what he's going to do, but I think he's got the potential to be classy enough to, to, to certainly challenge. He's 45 to 1. Um, I like Clemens Sorday at 66. Mark Warren, I might roll along with you at 66. I'm yet to not decide yet, but it is Scotland, so, you know, the likelihood is yes. And um, Shinkwin on Betfair at some point I'll be with because he will close in at some point before he hits his uh, snowman on the 15th hole. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I'm going with Masahiro Kawamura. I think he's in uh, excellent form. I think that he's potentially a better player than uh, he's maybe going to get given credit for. I think he's slowly uh, showing signs of the potential that he showed as a youngster at 20 years old winning on the Asian Tour. Uh, Mark Warren, it's Scotland. Uh, Mark Warren's won. He's finished fourth recently. And again, it's Scotland. Uh, you know, he's, he's had eight top five finishes and eight of his 20 best ever performances come in Scotland. Uh, he's Scottish. He loves playing there. There is nothing else to it. I'm not going to tell you that he swings the ball brilliant. I'm not going to tell you that he's an exclusive member of Fairmont. He's Scottish. He plays well in Scotland. The field isn't very good. He's 66 to 1. That's it. Um, Dale Whitnell is someone I think is potentially worth keeping an eye on. I don't think I can bring myself to bet him because if he walked down the street, I wouldn't recognise him. Uh, he is 205 to 1 on Betfair. If you like to do Jason's uh, skilled approach to that, I just, again, I think you're playing for place money there. Um, yeah, I just, I, it's not an event I'll get excited about. I think it's very important for us to say. Um, that it's a low stakes week, maybe even on both sides of the, of the pond, really. Yeah, so you know we'll finish one, two, three, four, five, and not like have thirty pence on each one or something, won't we? <laughs> yeah, probably be our best ever picking week, and um, we've had a fiver between us or something. But... Yeah, I, I, I must say I do like the double. I do like the each way double across across the thing. Um, I don't know if I can bring myself to the pain of doing it after last week. That was <laughs> I was so excited with Cantley and Lowry last week. Um, I mean, it's a very, very hard thing to do, but um, you know, whatever, we'll see. But yeah, you know, I think there is, there are those types, isn't there? Um, Eddie Peffel never seems to play that well when he's short odds, but I think he is playing exceptionally well uh, in better fields. It's right up his street. He loves Scotland, doesn't he? Um, He's not going to have to do his little bubble thing that he's been doing. He's been moaning about. Um, so you could chuck him in a double with Justin Thomas, for example. But um, I'm just quite happy to take some of those those better people on in both events. I just, I actually, the more I think about it, I actually think Sergio is probably my favourite bet. Um, and that's really weird for me to say. And and I will probably clip that one out and and save that as a soundbite when I'm moaning about him in six weeks' time again. But um, yeah, it, it, you know. It's a tough week. I think we both we both said it before we came on. We're, you know, we've been doing this since, uh, since well, since they came back, haven't we? Uh, oh. We've been doing it every week, and 
you know it's not that we feel obliged to it's that we enjoy doing the research but sometimes it's hard to get that excited about a bet and i think that's one of those events i think that everybody i mean the european tour hasn't really got anything to look forward to now is it um until the the masters um and and the pga tour again all the big guns are looking towards that that next big thing so it's a it's a funny week um we'll see these two events in the pga weren't meant to be here were they they're both meant to be abroad and, and they can't do that so it's all a bit of a mismatch there'll be two courses we don't get to see that probably be quite impressive uh, in shallow creek and sherwood the next two weeks and then you've got the bermuda championship type thing so yeah we'll uh we'll look ahead to the next few weeks and uh and wrap it up there is there any topics of discussion i think there was something we were going to debate wasn't it uh i think i i made some sort of comment in in was it was, it the, was it the hoodie no it wasn't the hoodie although we can have a quick discussion i think the hoodie's fine i don't think we can go around wearing string vests and jeans but well yeah but the, uh, the, here's the point here's the point i'm not saying that it's right or wrong my point is what where do you, what is fine what is not fine i mean well i just i just it, think that, the, the argument sorry the argument about attracting new people to the co- to the to the thing is absolutely right but you know i run a, a family cricket club but you are expected to wear whites you know it, it, are you are you going to say well no we're just going to turn up in tracksuit bottoms um because it's a family cricket club no because we have a standard and that standard is that you wear whites if you're playing for my team um but we're not a county team um so at what point do i do i say yeah okay you can wear a tracksuit bottom okay you can wear a hoodie okay you can do you know what I mean? It's it's it, it's it, why? Do you know what I think it is? Is I don't I think that is a load of codswallop that that that's going to attract different people to the game. I don't think there's a kid out there that goes. The only reason I don't play golf is because I'm not allowed to wear a hoodie. It's doing money. It's a yeah, money game. But but even that, uh, you know, this is going to be a, uh, this is probably a separate discussion. I'll probably have another time. But I don't think it's actually that expensive to get into golf these days as a youngster. I think you can get a membership for hundred quid a year, if that, uh, as a as a as a junior player. Um, okay, the start-up price of some clubs would be expensive, but when you spend eighty quid a year on football boots and three hundred quid on the golf clubs for ten years, it's, it suddenly doesn't seem so daunting. So, I think there's a bit of misconception about cost side of things in golf. Um, and there are there are the seventy-year-olds that would chase you up the fairway for wearing the wrong socks, but. Generally speaking, if you just go to a, a general public golf course and, and want to play, you'll you'll get away with wearing a, a hoodie. I'd have thought. Um, I don't need Tyrrell Hatton to make it okay for me. I just don't think it looks that bad. I think I think it looks absolutely fine. Um, I've seen a lot more offensive things on the golf course that are considered traditional. I think plus fours are ridiculous. I think they're the most ridiculous item of clothing. And if you look back at Tiger Woods and his pomp when he was wearing trousers that were about 87 sizes too big for him, and he looked like on the Open Championship he'd fly away, um, I think Tyrrell Hatton looks smarter. Yeah. I'm not saying... Um, I don't th- actually think there's anything wrong with it at all. Uh, I just think if you're not expected to wear it, why wear it other than cause controversy? It, it, you weren't going to pull the hood up because it was, it was you know, because it, it was cold. Because you've got a cap on. I, I just, I've got no problem with it. I just didn't see why you need to make something controversial when you don't need to make something controversial. I mean, I never wear a hood on a hoodie anyway. Well, so I don't that, use it. Yeah, I, I mean, don't use it for functionality purposes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
And your and your point about cricket, right? So the thing, so for me, the reason I like to wear the correct golf uh, attire is one. I think that golf clothing is pretty stylish anyway. Uh, so when I look off, when I walk off the golf course, I feel quite smart in it as it is. And I think with the introduction of spikeless golf shoes, I think you can you can drive home in them anyway. So it doesn't matter. Um, cricket whites. Now, if I turned up to your cricket event, I would wear cricket whites, and I don't own a pair. The reason I do that is because I don't want to look a dick. Like if you, if, if everyone else is wearing white and you turn up and wearing black tracksuit bottoms, you're going to look a knob. So that's the reason I would wear cricket whites, just to fit in, not because I feel like I have to. Um, so you're twi- you're twenty something. Yeah, you're not eleven. Well, mentally maybe, but yeah, I just again, I just don't. I think. I just think that there's, there's Adidas a... have done it, haven't they, to to get them yeah, to talk about, and they're going to plug some. It's a bit like the the mock neck uh, top that Tiger Woods wears. You know, everyone went out and bought one of those. I don't know why. Like a complete tool. Tiger Woods looks like a complete tool in it, especially when he rocks it with a backwards hat. But Tiger Woods has never been at the height of fashion. He can't dress himself. Um, so I'd be a lot less concerned about Terrell Hatton's wardrobe. A lot more concerned about the best player that's ever lived's wardrobe. But that's just me. I mean, have you, have you, I mean, you've only got to type Tiger Woods in fashion into Google and you will see some absolute rickets. Like, he literally, for someone, I think he's quite intelligent. Uh, you know, he went to Stanford. <laughs> he um, He's a, the best player that's ever lived. And it literally looks like every time he ever steps out anywhere, golf course or not, he got dressed in the dark. And yet everyone's worried about what Tyrrell Hatton was wearing. All right, we'll leave it. We'll leave it like that. We'll leave it there. If you were a proper Cockney, I know you're not a Cockney, but if you were a Cockney, you'd have said Tristrans, wouldn't you? You'd have gone, he makes some proper Tristrans. And people would have gone, what do you mean by that? And you've got Tristan Ricketts. <laughs> I don't know. I don't get Trist- references. No. Is it an old one again? It's an old, it's an old BHA joke. Hello, race, only, hello uh, racing fans. Yeah. The only Ricketts I know is Michael Ricketts, the, the footballer, and he somehow got an England cap. Never That's heard about of the him. only thing I know. Never heard of him. Um, but my point is, is that I've seen people dress the right way that look like absolute numpties, and Tyrrell Hatton happened to wear it had a hood on, so if that didn't have a hood on it, it would have been absolutely fine. But it wouldn't have been a hoodie, would it? <laughs> no, but it's not like it's not like a string vest. I mean, people don't like vests, right? But then they, they let them go around in these gilet things that they wear, don't they? That's a vest. It's just a waterproof vest. So what's the difference? So you can wear a vest then? Well, apparently. Well, can, can you wear, wear a vest? So what happens if somebody oh. turns up in a vest? If Bryson turns up showing his guns off, right, in a vest, <laughs> right? I mean, God knows what he looks like. I bet I, it, they're probably held down like with these T-shirts that he wears. Like They just expand into like incredible Hulk-sized things. But what happens if he turns up in a vest? Well, is, that I mean... except, is that okay? I think I don't think the PGA Tour is going to turn anyone away unless they decided to play with is their wang okay? or something. Is that okay? I don't want to see it. No, I didn't say you want to see it. I, the people don't want to see the hoodie. I'm, I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying people don't want to see it. So do you? you no, know, but I but I categorically don't think it's okay because I think I actually think vests, your on, vests on anybody <laughs> offends my eyes because normally the people that wear vests shouldn't wear anything that reveals their body type. Um, so I think that vests, whether they're an outer layer or an inner layer, look ridiculous. 
sometimes gilets look okay if you partner it with something else but but you know they all wore vested sweatshirts at the uh at the Ryder cup one year mm. idiots little idiots absolute fools yeah and, right and, 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 to be I, fair I, Ryder cup Ryder cup clothes <laughs> and solheim cup clothes you know quite honestly i mean <laughs> Shocking, like to me, like I mean, shocking. like I just think it's. I mean, at the end of the day, there's only one winner, or two winners, in in the fact that this is even being discussed. Is Adidas Golf because they're going to get mm. the the people that want to push back it. Like I, I'm not passionate. I sound passionate about it, but I'm not passionate enough to go and buy one just to just to be a martyr. I don't care. It, they look. I just think they look quite nice. And if someone, if Adidas wanted to give me one, hello Adidas, uh, I'd wear it. But uh, and that's what Tua Hatton's done. He's been scripted. He's been scripted an outfit. He's been told you'll probably get a bit of backlash about this, but don't worry about it because you know we'll chuck an extra twenty grand in your bank account. It's it, it is completely irrelevant to me, but it isn't to some people. And I, and I find it bonkers that people get offended by a hoodie. Like, but they've sat there and they've watched Tiger Woods wear trousers that were four sizes too big. And he's the richest golfer on earth, and not be offended by it because that is because they were pleated pants, and they were the things that he was meant to wear. Do you do you, do you not do you not think like if you look at like mid two thousands golf, yeah, like, like the most offensive thing everyone used to go about was a white belt, didn't they? Everyone hates oh, white Andy belts. Kim, Anthony Kim's white belt. I'd rather I'd rather see Anthony Kim's blinged up belt buckle than than Tiger Woods ever give anybody any sort of he still he still looks i mean he's, he's getting closer in his in his later years i think he's hanging around with uh with the right people now and uh but i mean i'm just looking now at just tiger woods's golf outfits and it just it absolutely blows my mind that anyone could actually sit i mean i guess in when he was wearing those sort of things i'm guessing no one wore fitted trousers i don't know i don't really remember it i was seven uh but I don't remember ever wanting really baggy trousers. I think I wore baggy jeans once because I was going through an emo stage. Uh, but not on the golf course, surely. I don't know. Baggy clothes offend me more than a hoodie. That's my stance on it. So Mark Warren is Scottish in Scotland, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mark Warren is Scottish in Scotland. That's Scotland. how we could have summarised, we could have summarised this uh, podcast up by just saying Mark Warren. How many hoodies do you think we'll see more hoodies out this week? What, in Scotland? Yeah, it's cold, so it's a genuine case for wearing them. Would you wear one on a golf course? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I played golf for a few years, as you know. Um, would I wear one on a golf course? Yeah, because I don't give a monkeys. But I do think that there is an appropriate attire for certain um, occasions. And, and maybe I'm old-fashioned, so I think when i go racing on the odd occasion i go racing i've always worn a suit i don't wear a suit during the day i've always worn a suit going racing always but why i'm just going to get you know mud and crap all over my shoes and beer thrown down it by the drunks um but i've all but i've always worn one so you know whatever that whatever the reason is whatever human psychology that that you know gets involved in it you know, it's like you go golf. I presume people, you have certain things you wear in golf. There's certain things people wear to go 
I watch a football match, there's certain things that you know. Um, I don't. I don't know. I just if can't wait until someone shoves a Stone a Island patch on, and that'll, that'll be hilarious. That'll that'll really trigger a lot of traditionalists. To me, I couldn't wear a hoodie on a golf course uh, if I was trying to play well because I get distracted by anything, and uh, I'll probably lift my head at some point during the golf swing when I shouldn't do, and uh, I will just clip that little bit of the hood on my neck, and it will restrict my swing, and I'll top it right. um, because I'm that bad at golf. On that, that is it? On that, on that. Let's hope we're soon going to be having uh, on our Twitter feed live. Oh, yes. Yeah, let's hope we're going to be having uh, uh, Tom's swing being analysed by a uh, PGA coach. Um, so more for that in the future. Uh, but we hope to be doing that. And, and so hopefully, Tom, you won't be wearing a hoodie then because it'll be even worse than it is now. Well, let's mention our, our, our man there that we want to talk about. Let's give him a little bit of a shout out before we, we wrap up. Yeah, just very quickly, Ross Spurgeon is a uh, PGA uh, professional um, coach uh, down at Chingford. Uh, sorry, uh, Chigwell. Where is he? Is it Chigwell, isn't he? It is Chingford, isn't it? It is Chingford. Sure says... Is it Chingford? I can't remember where You're he is. You're not doing a very good service, I'm not. You, I'm sorry. Man. I'm sorry, Ross. We'll get this We'll get this clearer. But uh, Tom, is. it doesn't matter where he is because he was a lot nearer me about six months ago and now he's moved. Um, so he's going to be doing some um, video coaching, hopefully, for Tom very soon um, we're hoping to get him maybe a little bit more involved in the podcast and who knows what delights will come to one of our local listeners uh, when that does happen so hopefully Tom will get his swing videoed nicely and we can send that off and we'll stick that on the um, on the Twitter feed or Instagram or whatever you know young kids use these days uh, and uh, yeah we'll go from there so that's 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 for the future hopefully uh, it's down to Tom now to uh, get it sorted well, that's that's the thing is that uh, I've, I've tried this before. I've had golf lessons and they've gone horribly wrong. And uh, with the best will in the world, if, if Ross sorts my golf swing out, then he deserves to be on tour, um, coaching the very best, because he uh, he's going to have a task on his hands. Uh, he'll have even more of a task on his hands if he wears if I wear a hoodie. And I might even chuck in some baggy trousers and just add it to it as well. Um, but that's it. We'll, uh, we'll wrap it up there. It's uh, it's it's a it's late and we're tired. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know what I'm saying anymore. Ross Spurgeon, Chingford Golf Club, uh, online lessons. Definitely check him out on Instagram, Twitter, um, and eventually you'll all get something to laugh at more so than mine and, and Jason's ridiculous comments on on food and uh, and other things. You'll be able to watch a poor golf swing as well. Then then people have something to talk about. You think about talking about Bryson DeChambeau's funky golf swing. You wait until it looks like an octopus is falling out of a tree, <laughs> and and you'll uh, you'll be talking about funky golf swings then. So uh, let's wrap it up for this week, right? Uh, there we go. So yep, yeah, Jason, thank you for coming on. Yeah, cheers. Um, Good luck. Well done if you've got this far, everybody, and uh, on to next week.